Phoebe. I'm Clancy. And I'm Damien. You might be asking, what do two Aussies and a POM have in common? Quite a lot, actually. For starters, Her Majesty has her face on all our currencies. Even the coins. There's a great Union Jack floating around some flags as well. And we speak the same language, sort of. Somehow. Allegedly. Have we love winding each other up? What are we doing here then? Winding you up. But anyway, on this show we discuss current Australian politics. We take a look at past events. While on a mission to ensure the Governor General stays in their job. What? I didn't sign up for this. What? It's in the show's name, Phoebe. Welcome to Let's Save the Governor General. No, I don't want to. Kick him out. What about her? Or her. No, let's <laughs> just not have a governor general. Let's have a republic. With who is, pre- <laughs> with who is president? Not ScoMo. President ScoMo. President ScoMo. No, President Julia Gillard. President Craig Kelly. Hello, my name is Damien. I'm one of the hosts of the world's best, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to say it, the world's best political podcast. Let's save the governor general. Hey! Yeah. Complete with canned canned applause. And I'm joined by the only true... I didn't care what happened last night. There's only one true queen. Here she is. You can all tune in to watch the premiere of my coronation on the non-profit. Hashtag shameless self-promotion. Hashtag one true queen. One true queen. Uh, actually, given uh, so we are of course referring to the coronation of uh, King Charles, King Chucky, King Chuck, Chuck and Millie. Chuck and Millie had a, a bit of a. Gathering. Where did Millie come from? Camilla. Yeah, I understand that, but where did it come from? Where did it come? From? I understand Chucky, but who started calling her Millie? Uh, Clancy did. I have to give credit to Clancy. Clancy will be by shortly, so we'll uh, pop her in. But yeah, there was a bit of a yeah, bit of a trumpet, bit of a guys wearing hats ceremony yesterday that happened and uh there was some you know declothing and then smothering in oil it was behind, behind the screen, screen. <laughs> you know, behind a <laughs> while big men in beefy uniforms held the screens up yes but no um you you people in in the uk go wild over that kind of stuff because the the footage of the carriage coming down the uh the mall i think you would call it the mall uh yeah, yeah there's like you know 10 rows deep and it was all a uh, pomp and pageantry indeed so yeah um and i was making the point to clancy so clancy is famously anti-monarchist and she was going what kind of what relevance do does this have to today's society and she has a point there but people clearly love the the monarchy particularly in england do they love the monarchy though, or do they just love well, a, a big day out in London on a Saturday? Well, true that that's a point. But you know, like given given how unpopular Charles was, you know, especially about twenty years ago when he was going through his or twenty thirty years ago when he was going through his marital problems, and now he is, you know, look, it's King Charles. Let's go attend and you know live stream and commentate and talk about <laughs> everything to do. As with- my mother says. Charles is one of those rare people. He has decided that it doesn't really matter what happens. Look, he turns around and says, look, have you seen my paedophile brother? Have you seen his gobby ex-wife? Have you seen that I'm standing in this organic farm, smoking this rather large bong with my mistress in my arm? Do you think I give a shit what you think? Oh, well, in in Poundbury. Is it it Poundbury, his, uh, his farm? 
Ah, uh, yes, down in Cornwall. Uh, da- down in Cornwall, yes. But anyway, um, so soon we will release uh, two, our two episodes we've recorded for the coronation. But this is a bit of a regular regular wrap-up of the week, and Clancy has promised to be by soon. But anyway, um, so we'll start in England first. So it was a coronation, but there were also some protests as well. So Clancy... Oh, sorry, Phoebe. Um, there was some also some very heavy-handed policing that took place as well. Really? Heavy-handed policing in England? No. So really? there were no. So the CEO of Republic got arrested. Oh, no, come on. What you're hearing there was the reaction of the anti-monarchy protests by the group Republic that booed quite vociferously when there were mentions of God save the king, etc, etc, etc. And they're holding signs saying, not my king, like they've got a choice over it. Absolutely. Oh, there's but 50 arrests. Uh, What would they be arrested for? Do you know much more about that? Some people were arrested on a fray. Some people were arrested with on suspicion of conspiracy to prepare to lock on. Okay. (laughs) There was suspicion of conspiracy to cause a public nuisance. Jeez. Okay. All right. Yep. And there was suspicion of uh, carrying or maintaining articles likely to be caused in a public disturbance. Oh, a public dis- so so they can block off like entire streets for you know yeah. a guy coming down a carriage, but don't you dare hold a sign saying "Not my king." In yellow. In yellow. Yep. So on the screen at the moment, there is a picture of a large rented box truck. Full yes. of protest signs and six police officers there stopping it. Okay. I'd hey, like um, to point out that this here mm-hmm. was the chief executive of Republic driving to a designated permitted <coughs> protest site. He had a permit. It was on a designated site. He was simply <laughs> driving there. <laughs> um, and probably the best photo of that is uh, the only good king is a Burger King. Yes, but it does get slightly more ridiculous and it does get slightly more serious here because the night, the morning before the coronation, mm-hmm. there is a, there were three arrests that took place and these are by far the most upsetting arrests mm-hmm. of members of the Westminster City Council night safety team. So Westminster oh, yeah. City Council is the local government area where the coronation took place. Mm-hmm. And these people were arrested for distributing rape alarms at two o'clock in the morning to revelers and mainly female revelers as part of, you know, keeping people safe on nights out. Oh, okay. That's uh, And look, you've got that part there. And, and welcome. Hey, we, yeah. we have been joined by Clancy. Hello, Clancy. Hello, Damien. Hello, Phoebe. Are you covered? Phoebe's awake. I'm not shaking now. But anyway, uh, 
but getting back to the point I'm I was making. I'm accompanied by the royal hounds. Yeah, I can see you've got one royal hound, yes. royal hound there. But just I to finish my hound. point. This is Jasper. But yes, just to finish my point here. They arrested these people because they said that the distribution of rape alarms was part of Scotland Yard's intelligence that people were intending to use rape alarms to intentionally scare the horses. Oh. These are military horses that stand there when guns are being fired. <laughs> yep, yep. And they have arrested people wearing day-glow pink vests with Westminster City Council night safety team in partnership with the Metropolitan Police written on them. So the police are arresting people in partnership with the police? Yes. For distributing safety devices that the police have given them. That gets a uh, sad trombone there. That is... Uh... Sad trombone. Sad trombone. It is. Yeah, that is a little bit a little bit worrying. Um, but Intel Scotland Yard intelligence. That's a well it's a bit of a contradiction. Yeah, a bit of oxymoron at at the best of times. But no, um so yeah, so So when's the Australian coronation happening? When's he gonna go down to Oz? And you're going to do this for him and stick the Australian crown on him and, you know, have your, you know, big Australian clergyman come along and do that for him. When's that happening? No, no. I don't so know. Tony, Tony I, I want Miss Mordaunt to come and, and behead him, really. She she did an awesome job of holding that sword. I just want it to fall. <laughs> All I would no, say Tony is that if London has to sit through this, Canberra should have to sit through it too. No, yeah. I was going to say, Tony, Wellington, you're not exempt. Wellington, you're not exempt. No. Ottawa, you're not exempt either. Kiribati, you're not exempt. But no, uh, I think Tony Abbott should get back into the Senate and try to reintroduce the Knights and Dames legislation so that he makes Sir King Charles. As a, I'm, yeah, I'm um, sorry, Damien, but no. No. Damien? Just, just, just no. Just Damien, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Never ever, never ever. Well, he should be damned, but not damned. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, and damned, damned. if you bring back that legislation. Yeah, well, Please that was uh, at the best of times. But yeah, so we, so the realm, the realm has a new king. The and realm. A new well, that that was interesting. How they didn't actually name any of the realms they just named the commonwealth the realm exactly exactly well speaking of realms and speaking of trouble uh let's go to my homeland of victoria uh, another royally named oh yes and i think this this is she doing well this actually bears some uh discussion as well so in a previous episode we discussed how a uh, first-term Victorian uh, MP, Moira Redeeming, who represents the Melton uh, electorate, uh, she was... Uh, Moira Denning. Of... <laughs> Moira Denning. Deming. It is actually Deming. 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 Here. It's D-double-E-ming. Look, she's, 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 she's either uh, an MP in Victoria or she's a realm in Middle-earth. I'm not sure. <laughs> 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 but anyway, so she was part of. Is the she part of the one ring to rule them all? 
possibly possibly is she probably is she's she's the queen of the trolls so she was uh, part of the Let Women Speak protest, which some national socialists uh, suddenly gatecrashed. Uh, you mean the, the anti-trans right-wing farcical things that took place in Victoria and around Australia and then when Hobart A rose by any up. other name is just as sweet. <laughs> just, just, just as sweet. So what I would say they... is that you can call it the Let Women Speak rally, but you may as well have said it. You may as well have said it's the neo-Nazis are us rally. Oh, well, anyway, so what then happened? Uh, and why redeeming? Now? You can sue me for those comments. Oh well, oh geez, that'll be that. That'll, that'll get us some publicity. <laughs> Please sue us so we can get the publicity. <laughs> so anyway, um, she was expelled from the Liberal Party. No, she was she was suspended from the Liberal Party for nine months. She was yes. going to be expelled by the opposition leader John Pesudo, but uh, they kind of rearranged that to a nine month suspension, and she has to be uh, be on a good behaviour bond. However, in the last week, uh, Moira Deming has basically thrown a hand grenade into the Liberal Party room, and I think it was last Thursday, last Thursday as of time of recording, she basically made uh, an ultimatum to John Pesudo that if you don't make a public statement retracting any personal association I have with Nazis or National Socialists, uh, I will sue you to get back into the Liberal Party and, yeah. And in the words of John Pesudo... Can I just point out the obvious? Can I just point out the obvious? Nine months? Nine months is a very pregnant pause. (laughs) All I would say in the words of John Pursuto, if Miss Deming wants to sue me, she's more than happy to do. She's more than welcome to do so. Go for it. So that has then brought, um, I can say, there's about four or five people in the Victorian Liberal Party who are our open backers of uh, Moira Deeming who have kind of found themselves in the firing line as well of this. So there's now a second, because of the of the uh, legal action to uh, against uh, John Pesuto, there's going to be another Liberal Party room meeting to actually expel her, which... Yes. So there's actually going to be moves to expel Miss Deeming from the party, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be an expulsion by the leader of the opposition. It's going to be an expulsion by members of the party removing a motion to exclude her. Yeah, so... Just reading here, she claimed that when she was suspended, it was agreed that Ms. Pesuto would make a statement to exonerate her from false allegations regarding the rail's association with Nazis, which, you know, now I don't know what legal advice Moira Redeeming has got, but maybe she felt that John Pesuto didn't, uh, you know, go far enough to distance her from Nazis and it's come to this. But apparently from what I was reading, um, there was an Age article I was reading where, um, some time back, Moira Deeming had actually sent an email through her lawyers to the Liberal Party requesting something like this. No, no, she actually requested a copy of the minutes of the meeting that expelled her, and the Liberal Party never got around to giving her those minutes. Um, so, I th- so I think she sent like a personal email, then her lawyers got involved, and so she's like she's been stonewalled by the leadership of the Liberal, Liberal Party and now she's thrown a hand grenade into the party room, which is a come come to this. So, yeah, that's a... Oh. A bit weird is what I can say. 
Have we dropped off? Bit... Everyone... It's a bit weird here. Why do you I'm, say that? I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay. I'm, just... I'm still here as well. Good. Okay. Just, just went a bit quiet, that's all. Okay, you're going to have to cut that out in post, you see. <laughs> what? That, that, that's just work for me. I want to do that. I to do that. Anyway, keep going. Yes, there's a... But, yes, it, it's one of these things where the Australian Liberal Party, nationally, at state level, mm -hmm. they seem to be flogging themselves to death. Every time they seem to do something, it's about the implosion within the Liberal Party of Victoria. It's about Peter Dutton and his interminable lies about the voice referendum. It's just every time you hear something about the Liberal Party of Australia at mm -hmm. any level, it's about how they are throwing hand grenades at themselves. Yeah. Look, every political party goes through this time of uh, self, uh, self-flagellation, self yeah, but uh, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Yeah, parties do go through peaks and troughs, but the Liberal Party are on the uh, Harry Carey side of peaks and troughs here. They're <laughs> doing a fantastic I, I job. Think, I think you're on the Horatio Hornblower side of the peaks and troughs, quite frankly. <laughs> okay. it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where, okay, in the wake of the 1996 elections, the Labour Party went through something similar. Mm -hmm. But the Labour Party never decided it was going to eat its own young. Well, I would well, argue that by to. electing... Uh, it tried to, but it never actually went, yes, let's from top down eat our own young. Whereas you've now got the Liberal Party of Australia not only eating their own young, but, you know, then shooting themselves in the forehead at the same time. This is uh, the Labour uh, Party. Part of, part of the problem, though, is that the Liberal Party are conservative Christians and so they don't believe in abortions. Whereas uh, the Labour Party are quite happy to get rid of things before they get to that stage. This is getting the, the puns just keep just keep on coming on. Let's say the governor general. All I can but, say uh, is that some of the associations that I have with you two are fantastic, and some of them are like going to gonna have to work out an excuse for that one. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. Well, but I'm I, sorry, I'm actually, but I'm 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 all for I'm all for premature premature emasculation uh, postnatal contraception. Oh, okay, yeah, give that a rest. Oh. But no, I'm actually kind of glad that this is happening now because if this happened, uh, so the next Victorian election will be in like three and a half years' time. I think it's good that they're getting Aaron? all of this done now. But the next so, federal election is next year. No, no, I'm talking about the uh, state election because this the is, state I'm just about election the, for Victoria. Yeah, but here's what yeah. I'm saying the next federal election will include all of the seats in Victoria and. Mm -hmm. Is it six Senate seats? Yes, it will be. Yes, it will be half Senate at election. This, at this rate, the Labour Party may as well just stick donkeys with rosettes up and they'd win. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> it's getting getting that way. But the problem is in Victoria, in Victoria in particular, the Liberal Party seems to attract the religious right. Windbags, nutcases and lunatics. Indeed, yes. It's uh, the people the people that the uh, Palmer United Party wouldn't wouldn't accept, you know. The people that even, you know, Pauline Hansen condemns. <laughs> indeed, indeed. That's uh, when it's not her own. When it's not her own. No, but, she uh, did condemn her own. 
over the homosexuality comments. Yes, not popular. Because I was yeah. going to say, uh, Peter Dutton's problems are about to get worse because, okay, first one is that Stuart Robert is about to uh, say goodbye. Oh. I know, I know. You sound sad, Phoebes. Well, yeah. Is, he do was old good guys fodder. With he was good fodder. He was good satiristic fodder. Well, uh, we've just like spoken about more redeeming. Can you not? Is that not enough for you? No, there's never enough satire fodder out there. Whenever there's a bit of satire fodder that leaves the stage, I feel like a little part of me dies until uh, something comes to replace it. Uh, the, given the liberal, the state of the Liberal Party at the moment, something will definitely come through and, and replace. Please, please don't ever save the Liberal Party. Here's the thing, though. Would Never. you rather the National Party replaced them? Yeah, ac- actually, I, you know, the the National Party seemed like the good middle ground. At the moment, which is bizarre. Can I I make can I make an unpopular proposal? (gasps) Oh, geez. We either bring back the Democrats. Yeah. Or or Or, we elevate the Greens. Because the Greens at the moment are actually doing really fucking well. For now. For now, because they're about to eat their own as well. Well, I'm not so sure. Uh, let me bring so, Damien, tell me mm-hmm. why the Greens are about to eat their own. Yeah, okay. tell us, Damien, why the Greens are about to eat their own. Well, because uh, you can... Oh, okay, let me uh, log in on this because uh, you can see that password. Okay, I have, so... I, I, just, I just have a dog hiding behind me. Hang on a second. All right. Okay. Go on. No, so a couple, was it last week or the week before, uh, the Greens Party passed a, well, so the Victorian Greens, uh, formally adopted a new definition of transphobia. Mm-hmm. Read it out, and then I will tell um, you, in my personal opinion, what's right and what's wrong about it. So what's okay, the definition, I, Damien? Let me just see if I can find the uh, the actual uh, text of the... Here we go. Oh, here we go. Read the full document. <laughs> I don't know if I want to read the full document. But in... Sh- okay, here we go. I don't know if you can... Also, I do have to say something about the Greens. They need to hire somebody with some marketing now because that logo is shit. It is pretty <laughs> shit. I agree with you. <laughs> that logo is shit. Back in the 80s, that was the... Uh, that was the... That was the height of, you know, amazingness. But that was 40 years ago. Okay, so uh, proposal to state council trans exclusionary rhetoric, a proposal that the state council recognizes a person's right to affirm their gender, acknowledges that transgender people do not uniformly share particular biological traits, and recognizes the existence of transgender people in general. Uh, now, any of that. <laughs> yep. Now, there was actually something a bit more. I was trying to find exactly where. So the, 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 those first lines, just to comment on those first lines, there's nothing wrong with any of those first lines at all. Mm. That's like saying we understand that, you know, different ethnicities exist and all people of different ethnicities come from different parts of the world and they're not a homogenous group that will think and look and say the same things. Okay, here we go. Recently, the queer Greens Victoria have noted a concerning amount of transphobic rhetoric within the otherwise safe space of the Greens. This rhetoric masquerades as a respectful argument. 
But in reality, regardless of how civil the debate may seem, the effect of certain arguments is anything but. The affirmation of trans people as the actual internal gender identity is downright necessary for mental health. Uh, da-da-da. While the transphobia we have focused on in the past is mostly quite overt, focusing on physical violence, medical gatekeeping, and blatant hate speech, within the Greens ourselves, we still have issues with more subtle forms of transphobia, forms which involve few or no slurs, no fists or knives or bats, and usually no death witches, while... Oh, okay. That sounds, that, that sounds very Viking-ish to me. I'm sorry. That sounds very... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get you know lost here. This does yeah, seem okay. to be a bit wishy-washy. Okay, uh, so Phoebe, I think let's just cut no to the violence, chase. Violence, in, in other words. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. These examples are drawn from a variety of sources and thus fall under various categories, including blatant transphobia, trans-exclusionary rhetoric, such as that sometimes seen in greeting spaces and household ignorance. Household ignorance? Yes. Okay, so what are some of these examples then, Damo? Uh, there are two sexes. There, what? And apparently that's apparently that's wrong. Uh, there are two genders. Apparently that's wrong. Uh, well, turf that's... is turf is a slur. Apparently that's okay. Um... That one, that one is like saying cis is a slur because. <laughs> That one I do understand. Designation. It's a designation. So when it, someone it, goes X Y Z is a slur, that good. is that's that's um that's snowflake rhetoric from people who are being transphobic. Uh, shutting down debate is censorship. <laughs> While technically true, some censorship is actually necessary. Okay. Look, uh, th th this is like me saying I'm offended if someone calls me a cisgender white female. I know that's what that's what saying. Turf that is, is actually is. what I am. I am a cisgender white okay. female. If someone says if someone says turf is a slur, they are basically <laughs> saying, "Don't label me correctly. I'm not a bigot, even though you're pointing out I'm a bigot." Real men well, is, well, is 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 we, offensive. Real we, women. We, is offensive. <laughs> it says here, maybe, real maybe. men. If someone actually called me a turf, I would be offended because I don't think I am a turf. I how am, however, a cisgender white female, but I am not a turf. Some of these are, you know, acceptable as you know. This is quite blatant. Uh, women need their own spaces. Is, uh, is I'll tell is you why that one is um, dodgy. How do you it's define dodgy. a woman? Though? I'll tell you why that one is um, a dog whistle. I'll tell you exactly uh, why women need to be trans. Before we and move on, before, before we That's move on, keep going, before please. we move on, before we move on, I'd like to just address the women need their own spaces nonsense because that is a dog whistle okay. to basically say that a small select group of people who consider themselves to be the epitomization of the definition of a quote woman get to determine who and who does not get to associate in these spaces, whether or not they are trans or cis. So what this means is that butch lesbians or gender non-conforming women or women who 
don't fit the idealized version of what these individuals say a woman should look like, should be like, should express themselves like, mm-hmm. get to determine who and who is not womanly enough to pass their woman purity test. That's what that dog whistle actually means. Okay, interesting. Because but some of these hand... are like some of these are like absurdities, but some of these are actually coded dog whistles which are being called out, and some of them are just mm-hmm. I- idiotic. Like I don't want anything to do with penises. Well, good for you. No one's saying you should. No <laughs> one's going to say you should. And to keep repeating that gives off this impression that trans women, particularly trans women who have not undergone any form of lower genital reconstructive surgery, are rapists by definition. So that's why that's a problematic one, because it tries to say that um, trans women who have not had surgery are by definition rapists. That's the problem with that one. So these are some of the things are sensible, but when you turn around and it depends on the context of some of these things. If you were to say yep. real men don't eat quiche. Uh, yes. Is that transphobic? <laughs> no, it's a it's line from a really it, famous it, book. It, it seems to be unconstitutional. What do you it mean? It is because it violates the free speech clauses. Well, it's it's against it's against the constitutional monarchy because obviously King Charles likes quiche. Okay, so from this Age article here, but the Victorian Greens are unique in their decision to limit policy debate by expanding the definition of transphobia, essentially making it impossible for members to debate the potential conflicts between trans rights and traditional women's rights. Okay, Uh, I need to stop uh, there. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. on. I I need to address this paragraph specifically. Oh, please do. So it says, the conflict between trans rights and traditional women's rights I have to say this, and I will say this, and I will say this again and again and again, and I will say this until I'm blue in the face. There is no conflict between women's rights and the rights of trans people. It is manufactured by fascists like Posey Parker. There is no conflict in rights between trans people and women trans people and men there is no conflict at all it's like saying there is a conflict between the rights of black people and white people disabled people and able-bodied people straight people and gay people it does not exist in reality it is a manufactured dog whistle to exclude trans people from society under the guise of painting women as victims so that white knights can come in and impose traditionalized 1950s Americana white picket fence domestic abuse excusing nonsense in the 21st century. Tell us how you really feel, Phoebe. Here, here. Here, here. That's a... And anybody who says there is a conflict is a lying sack of fascist shit. (laughs) I'm sure there's a Uh, a few lawsuits in there. Us us claiming any rights is not 
actually taking rights away from any other group. Here's the prime example. Damien, you yes. are in an opposite sex marriage, correct? Mm -hmm. How will my marriage to my wife affect your opposite sex marriage? Not it fucking won't. at all. There you go. That is the stupid argument that was used by the idiots of Tony Abbott and co to oppose the legalization of same-sex marriage in Australia. It is the same uh, fascist bullshit being used here to try to exclude me and people like me from society because they are bigoted little shits that want to rule Australia and other Western countries with fear and hate. Yikes. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's Yikes. being exclusionary rather than inclusionary. Mm. That's uh, and look, uh, I reckon some of those uh, same arguments would have been made when uh, when was it? Back during the White Australia policy, when interracial marriage was banned. Oh, you know, Absolutely. you can't uh, you can't allow people of two separate races to marry. Oh no, and it's this interesting. I'm in an opposite sex marriage and an opposite race. Race mixing. It's like it is to say, race mixing is the dilution of racial purity. Whatever racial Jesus Christ. These are the same arguments used to justify slavery in America, the same arguments used to justify the white Australia policy, the same arguments that have been used against the rights of anybody that isn't a cisgendered, heterosexual white man with millions of you know pounds to their names that's got a wife that they beat up at home and a dog that's got more rights than his wife. Yeah, that's there's some really bad arguments out there. Really bad and uh, absolutely. And as yes. I said to Damien the other day. 99.9% .9 of people in this world do not give a flying rat's Oof. behind. Yes. They can't tell, no matter how many times the turf says we can always tell, they don't know that they're sharing facilities with non-cis people. And guess what? Even if they did know, they wouldn't give a flying rat's behind because they're more interested in their own life and getting away with their right. own day than interfering in someone else's day. Like, I'm offended that someone who doesn't look like me is using a bathroom. Oh, no. You live with other people of the opposite sex and you're using the bathroom with them all the fucking time. So what is your fucking problem? Just because you don't actually know a person and they're in another cubicle separate from you with the door closed, what the fuck does it matter? Just because you have swallowed right-wing propaganda that is living rent-free in your own personal one square foot of real estate does not mean that it is true. Propaganda works by whipping up fear against minorities. Some, a friend of mine did an interesting statistic. They calculated the number of Jews in Nazi Germany and divided that by the population of um, Germany as a whole. It turns mm -hmm. out that the numbers can be replicated almost directly for the number of trans people estimated to be in the UK and the population of the UK. So if you want to tell me there are no comparisons with Nazi rhetoric, you can go and shove that up your backside, you stupid little morons. Really? I, I that think many... that's actually the 
problem though, Phoebe, is people are worried about them shoving them up their backsides. I want to approximately 600,000 trans people in the UK. And in Nazi Germany in 1933, there were approximately 600,000 Jews. There was an approximate population of Germany of 64 million. There was an approximate population in the UK of 64 million. There is a man that is unelected that has come to power in the UK that's only been selected by a small right-wing cabal of Tory wankers that now runs the country with his religious social conservative nonsense that it's using me and people like me as a political punching bag and he can go and shove it up his ass because it's bad politics and loses him votes and he lost nearly a thousand members of local government and multiple councils across the country and he's going to lose again and again and again. Look at America. America, they tried to use people like me as a punching bag and it lost them the Supreme Court in Wisconsin. It lost them the Senate majority and they only got an eight-seat majority in the House of Representatives with one of the most unpopular presidents that have been in existence in the 21st century. Attacking trans rights loses you votes. Right-wing wankers, when will you learn? Possibly never. Possibly never. So Phoebe, I think I think we should I think we should retitle this episode "Phoebe Goes Off" because that's some very passionate, uh, yeah, passionate so opinion. I think we can all agree that none of us disagree with you. Mm. And and I and I just like to point out that highlighted on the screen right now is I don't want anything to do with penises. I think that that's going to be the line of the episode. Look, <laughs> I don't quite, think pen- <laughs> quite personally, I I rather like penises. Okay. Um, that that's actually my thing. I do actually am quite fond of penises. Okay. I'm 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 fond of particular penises. I can, okay. Okay. Can, right. can I point out that not all penises <laughs> are equal, and that <laughs> yeah, there are certain penises told. that I'm that's more fond of than others. So, and, that, so untold. and that not all owners of penises are complete wankers. Not all penises no, are no, created but, um, equal. Not all <laughs> owners I, I of penises this, are created equal. I think uh, this whole talk of penises is a great segue into our next uh, our next article is, look at that on the screen. Yes! <laughs> yes. So the reason for that is apparently the the member for Cook, well, uh, the former well, prime minister, he's a wanker, but that's nothing to do with his the name. former prime minister and the current you member. You mean for the Cook. former collector of portfolios of ministries? Yes. Oh, yes. The the former <laughs> chef, head resident chef at Kirribilli, Scott Morrison, is apparently on the way out because he is going to join a was it a UK based AUKUS. Uh, consulting firm, something absurd like that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hold on. Uh, appointed to a new role at a United States-based institution for his insights and expertise. Insights and expertise into what? Running a country into the ground, uh, <laughs> yes. destroying democracy, one portfolio collector at a time. Well, yeah. Do, um, doing things. Doing things in secret. <laughs> Sticking two but fingers yeah. up a parliamentary convention. So he's going to be at the Center for a New American Security. And if that doesn't sound 
Uh, if that doesn't sound ominous, I don't know what does. But really, I th- I think he he should have. I reckon they should make a rule that if you're a prime minister and you lose an election, go. Just just go. So you're saying that the electorate in Cook should be yeah. denied their right to elect whoever they want. I think that maybe the overall parliament. Uh, how can I say? So are you saying? So are you saying the the people in Benelong were the only people that were sensible? in this millennium maybe maybe but no i think the problem is is that our democracy has moved to the point to the point that's almost presidential where you're not really choosing a local member you're more choosing a party that a local member represents i can understand that but you do remember that you do elect individuals and yes i, would, I know yes i i, 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 would, really, I what i what i would say though is that your theory falls apart with the teals. Okay. <laughs> Lots of things seem to fall apart with the teals. <laughs> Inclu- Your including theory the falls apart star. with the teals and the ungrouped independents. Because they are explicitly running on, I am the member that you are electing. Yes, yep. And you're getting more and more and more and more of those people. Yep. For, for better or worse. For better or worse. But yes. Yes. Um, and speaking of for better or worse, let me just uh, refresh this page because uh, I suppose if I was a consultant, I would say for better because this is an article you brought to my attention, oh, Phoebe. Wonderful, this is. Oh, Phoebe, brilliant. take it away. Take it away. So during the last uh, financial audit that was carried out on the Australian government, the uh, government of Scott Morrison spent your hard taxpayers' dollars to the tune of $20.8 billion or the equivalent of, I think it was, 37% of the entire Australian workforce in the federal government on consultants. 37%? Like the 37% of the federal Australian workforce. 37% were consultants. Like welfare and NDIS are screaming for funds, but, you know, let's just chuck $21 billion at... Uh, consultants. Uh, hold up. This is, of money. Hold, hold up. Excluding the CSIRO, ABC, and parliamentary departments. Jeez Louise. I know. And, uh, uh, information so technology and digital solutions made up 43% four... of the spending on external labor, while 17% went to the actual delivery of the services. So here's the best part about it. This was the equivalent of the average salary of 54,000 federal civil servants. Yep. yep. 54,000. I know. That's like a that's like a city. That's like an entire city. You know? That's like a large suburb of Adelaide. Yeah. No, Adelaide is a large, large suburb. Just don't tell them that. <laughs> But 54,000 people could have been employed in the federal government instead of consultants under Mm. the Morrison government. That is an incredible amount of money that was spent 
by the Morrison government that was released. <laughs> released? This <laughs> May. Got, got so he has out. left office. He has left office. Yeah. And where's he left office? He drained the coffers to consultants. And still got still got his ass kicked. And still got re-elected in the division uh, of Cook. <laughs> so Clancy, are you one of these consultants that, you know, has collected some of Morrison's consultancy fees? I bloody wish I was. I would have paid off my mortgage if I had been. But no, unfortunately, I am not. So 37% of the Australian federal workforce was consultants. 37%? A bit scary, isn't it? Probably most of them were actually American. But here's the thing. What are they consulting on? There are so many consultants. So, I actually don't understand. I'm all for using consultants in a bespoke manner. I understand the need for consultants. But what I don't understand the need for is when consultants start to outnumber the people that they are consulting with. Because a consultant is brought in for mm -hmm. expertise. But when you have more consultants than you have actual people that you're consulting in some cases, which must have been the case here. You have to ask yourself, is this just a load of bullshit to try to funnel friends' money? The problem, the problem is, though, Phoebe, is a lot of these consultants are ex-government. Uh, politicians, yeah, political. They're politicians. So you get a politician or an MP or whatever who retires mm -hmm. and guess what they become? Tony Abbott. <laughs> well, and a consultant. Okay. Look, look. Guys, do you know who really needs a consultant right now? Not me. No, this man in uh, the Aceh <laughs> province of Indonesia. Lawyer frantically oh God, tries to strike a deal that could see him freed. The 23-year-old is still in police custody on the island where he's accused of running wild and assaulting a string of people in a drunken, naked rampage. Dressed in orange prison garb and balaclava, police paraded him in front of the media at a press conference. Your yes. Yeah, okay. Thank you. What on earth was all that about? Well, so a what's his name? Bodie Manny Risby Jones from Noosa. Uh, he was arrested in the Indonesian province of Aceh. Uh, for drinking alcohol and going on a drunken public rampage. So he was arrested, uh, brought in front of a press conference, uh, was interrogated by the judge about what he did, um, and he has uh, apparently apologised, um, and he will be sentenced, uh, yeah, a bit later on. Sentenced <laughs> to what? More public humiliation? Well, this is this is the thing. Like He's been paraded in a, in a balaclava, um, yeah, through through the streets. And this is actually, as someone who's familiar with uh, Indonesian culture, I'm just really surprised that something like this happened in... So the way that Indonesia... <coughs> The way that Indonesia works, so you have like the main islands of, of Indonesia. So you, most people know Bali, which is like the holiday island, which is, you know, a bit more relaxed there. But Aceh is the westernmost province. 
And the thing about Arche is that it's what's called a, a special area, a, a special exceptional area that they get to make their own laws. And so Arche is actually like the the Islamic, like the hardcore Islamic area of Indonesia. And it was only the, granted this special status after the tsunami that hit the area. Uh, it was. However, they've been like a de facto uh, independent province for quite a while already, but it's just that around that time they were like legally given that that authority. So anyway, so you can't drink alcohol. Um you can't have premarital sex. Um, you definitely can't be be gay over there. And like, it's to the point that like, if a woman rides on a motorbike with a man, she is liable to be caned in public for that. Like, they are really like really hard on on that kind of stuff. So to smuggle, I don't know if you saw in the in the uh, footage just then, there was like a bottle of vodka in a plastic bag. You know, like to bring that to a place like that, like what the hell are you thinking? And it's possible it's he wasn't. That, isn't it? Look, part of the problem is, of course, that most Australians have absolutely no fucking idea what the rules are in yeah. Bali and Indonesia. I Look, I went to Bali when I was about 23 or 24 for the first mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. with three gay friends. Okay. And it was truly the worst experience of my life because okay. I was in a tropical country. I hated the heat. Yeah, yeah, I was that's... allergic to mosquitoes. I ended up with barley belly and a tropical ear infection. And Ooh. I was a single white woman who just wanted to get laid. And all my friends were interested in was going to expatriate drag queen bars. So uh, it was well, not don't, a good place. Don't say, don't say the D word. The D word is, is, is on the offensive list. I don't care. Oh, prattling on about you, stupid idiot. <laughs> Exactly. I don't care. Why are you I had the worst experience of my life. I, I ended up at the at the uh the Sari bar, which is mm-hmm. where they ended up having the bombings before the bombings. Yeah. It was horrible. I hated I hated the place. Really yeah. swore mm-hmm. never to go back to Bali in my life ever again. Okay. But having said all that, I was also very ignorant of the cultural mm-hmm. Prohibitions as well, yeah. And most Australians are. Bali is seen as a mecca for anything permissible. Yeah. Yep. That's what it's seen as, and most most Australians have no actual idea of the cultural issues. Bali. Probably the thing they go there is for the cheap alcohol, cheap food, and cheap uh, accommodation. Like you know, yeah. you can you can stay there for very cheap. You even like go to the beach and get like you know get your hair done or get a massage for something like you know the four or five dollars. Yeah, well, so and, this, and this was a thing. I, I I got bailed up on the beach and given uh, a tattoo, one of those henna tattoos, which was oh, horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had my hair braided, which was also horrible. And okay. I really it sounds like a very horrible holiday. This does. It was fucking awful, Phoebe. Don't ever go to Bali. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've never been but, there myself. But well, it was, nightclub bombings aside, don't go to Bali. Don't go Bogan, to Bali. Bogans aside, don't just like good idea. The, 
the thing is, though, of course, that when I look back at it, part of it was uh, cultural ignorance. Okay. And I would go again, but I would make sure I wouldn't go to the places I visited previously, which was Legian and, you know. They, yeah. It, it was horrible. Oh, so I, I would definitely go to different areas of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And I would be a little bit more conscious of those cultural prohibitions. At the same time, though, you have to be conscious of the fact that this is a Muslim country. Yes, and this is this leads me to the next article up on the screen. I would is... just like to point something out here, though. You do yeah. have to be conscious that it is a Muslim country, but egregious human rights violations are not acceptable anywhere. And I'm not disagreeing with you there, Phoebe, but that's why I'm saying I'm pointing out that this is a Muslim country, which means that egregious human violations are imminent. Baked in almost. Well, well that happens in uh, white, Christian country, white Christian countries as well. So let's not, yeah. Well, I'm not denying that. Is where there's. No, religious. but anyway, so there's another man, uh, Brenton Craig Abbas Abdullah MacArthur. Uh, is accused of spitting on Imam Muhammad Basri Anwar's face at the Al Mahajim Mosque in the city of Bandung on Friday. Uh, he's been arrested as well, and not doing yeah. themselves many favours, are they? No, and mm. this is the thing: Australians in Indonesia, it's yeah, you don't like Brits. In, it's like Brits in Benidorm. It's like really or Spain or Mallorca or you know. But Benny Dorm is in Spain. I think, any, I think anywhere where they don't actually understand where they are. Yeah, yeah. Bogans so, anywhere is bad. Full yeah, stop. Yeah. Bogans is bad. Well, actually, but again, this guy here, he's actually got, a, to, by, by this, he's actually got a couple of uh, Arabic middle names. So maybe he is somewhat familiar with the culture. What to would have be... Abba, Abbas Abdullah as. Abbas you know, Abdullah. Which is, uh, but look, maybe he needs a consultant. Maybe he needs one of ScoMo's consultants. Oh, maybe he does. Um, yeah. Oh. Actually, speaking of consultants, here we go. Oh, Vanessa God. Hudson to replace Alan Joyce's Qantas CEO. So after 15 years at the helm, some very controversial years, uh, Phoebe's countryman, uh, Alan Joyce, has decided to step down and, uh, yeah, he's getting replaced by a woman. In, I'm sure I bet he loves that. I maybe, bet he loves that. Maybe uh, the people who tick the woke boxes will go, oh, look, a woman's running the... Okay, so oh, cool. Here's the next thing, though. This, you, you just used the magic word, the magic made-up right-wing word, woke. Uh, you used the magic made-up right-wing oh. word, woke. There's no such thing hey, as woke. What hey, there is, I'm, is I'm there's the snowflakes right complaining the that people... What it is, it's snowflakes complaining that other people that aren't the people that they want, that aren't, you know, the consolidation of their continuation of people who look like them and only people who look like them getting what they want, uh, actually getting something done. So breaking the glass ceiling for women on CEO boards is wokeratiness gone mad. No, no, it was political correctness gone mad. Now it's wokeness gone mad. Anyway, I've got a child to pick up, so I'm going to let you two lovely ladies uh, discuss. Uh, the Qantas CEO, uh, the AFL CEO, um, and anything else you happen to discuss, and I'll be back in about There's 20, a small 30 problem minutes. with this. What's that? What's that? We're going to have to wait for you to come back because you've got control of the articles. True. Um, well, so look, if- why don't we break here? I need to go for a pee. And then when uh, Damo comes back, 
we'll finish it off. Uh, look, maybe if you want to do that. Look, I'm gonna, I've got to yeah. run, so you, you can decide how you want to do it. But um, I'll be back ASAP. Fair enough. Fine. Yes, so, uh, we're back after after a short break, and we will very briefly wrap up this uh, this episode of Let's Save the Governor General. Uh, first thing is Clancy, you're getting a sports ball team. Clancy, I'm sorry, I'm not impressed. Are you going to take me to a game? You're going to take me to a game, aren't you? In five years' time. In five years' time. So it was recently announced in the last week by Gillian McLaughlin, who's on the way out, which is an item on the screen, that Tasmania has been handed the 19th license for an AFL team. So they they finally did. Is this a team or a replacement team? This is all conditional. The, the, the 19th license was conditional upon us committing to building a stadium. Stadium nobody wants. Which nobody for, wants. Nobody can fill. It won't fill. Who fucking wants a stadium? For a start, the, the place that they're proposing to build the stadium is completely inappropriate. Where is this then? So what's wrong with this? It's, so it's going to be at Macquarie Point, which is right in the city in Hobart, which already has massive issues with roads and infrastructure and public transport. But surely this is a good opportunity to improve the infrastructure in Hobart. You would think so, but that is not part of the proposal. $715 million. Yeah, and they're also talking about making a bunch of other things up available at the same point and I don't think it's going to happen. And why is that? Because we don't have the infrastructure. Literally, we have a massive housing problem here in Hobart. We have no rentals. We have huge homelessness. We have no infrastructure and transport for the people that already live here and they want to build this massive fucking stadium that no one actually wants and no one is actually going to use someone will be using it in in a few years well the problem is i don't think they actually will be using it so here's the here's the pressing question is this going to be a single-use stadium pretty much well they can they can play cricket as well No, they can't play cricket. This is part of the problem because they're proposing a closed roof stadium, which means Mm -hmm. that the cricket, the cricket people are saying we can't use it for cricket. Oh no! But here's the here's something that may sound absurd. You already have in Hobart a perfectly functioning, large capacity Mm -hmm. cricket ground, which is literally across the river. From where they're proposing to put the new one. Here we so, go. I think this uh, article on the sc- oh, hold on, uh, yeah, this article on the screen. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. as Albanese backs an AFL stadium for Hobart, Tasmanians are living in tents. They literally are. I have several of my own clients that I look after who are literally living in tents. They do not have housing. Um, this is this first paragraph is interesting. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, in a move reminiscent of his predecessor Scott Morrison in its tone-deaf hubris, 
is reportedly flying to Tasmania the weekend to announce critical federal funding of $240 million towards a new $715 million state government-funded football stadium in Hobart, a populist call that is wildly unpopular among many Tasmanians. Why isn't the Bellarive Oval being overhauled? I don't understand this. It's too residential. Part of part of the issue is that it's in a residential area and it won't actually comply to any of the legislation. Then why but, aren't you tearing down the Bellarive Oval and moving it to this site and having a multi-purpose stadium that can have multiple uses throughout the year with multiple different events so that people will actually use it? No, because we actually don't want that site at all. We want to move it to the north of the state and Launceston, and they can have it. We're quite happy for them to have it. Brilliant. But why aren't we having multi-use stadiums nowadays? Well, we should, but the problem is where they're proposing to have it in Hobart is not appropriate. It's right in the middle of the city that is already congested, that doesn't have public transport and that has major issues with housing. They should not be putting it there at the first place. I if don't think I ever North thought this. North of the state, no one actually has a problem with it. Put it in fucking Launceston. No one cares about Launceston. I don't think I ever thought these words would leave my lips, but they're about to. Okay, here we go. Listen Hobart, you need to look at how Detroit does its sports ball teams. You need to take a leaf out of Detroit's book and use them as your example because they No, we don't. Right. No, 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 Phoebe. We no, don't do. need sports in Hobart. I'm sorry. We don't need it no, at all. You get, you get it in regard as the example of anything. We is. don't need it. But the problem I'm saying is you're, you're, you're getting it. You're getting it and you may not like it, but you're we getting it. We don't want it. But, we don't want it. But Detroit has five major sporting franchises. Five oh. major sporting franchises in Detroit. I'm sorry for Detroit. And they only use two locations. That's it. I'm very for these sorry. Five for franchises that use two locations. Yeah, well, we don't want any of them. They use the Quicken Loans Stadium and they use the Little Caesars Arena. And that's it. The, the NFL the team and the not. baseball team, the NFL team and the baseball team play at the Quicken Loans Stadium. Yeah, Whereas the, the thing is, baby, NBA, the, thing is, the NHL, and the MLS we, we team all, all play we, at Little Caesars ready. Arena. We already have cricket and AFL playing at the stadium in Bellarive, okay? So we already have those things. They've then given over our major entertainment venue to basketball. So we now have the Jack Jumpers basketball team play at what used to be the German Entertainment Centre, which was our major entertainment venue. They've now taken that over for exclusively basketball. So we now have gone without a entertainment venue where we used to have concerts and various things, okay? So they've already taken that. They now want to repurpose a section of our infrastructure in Hobart in the centre of the city that was designated for something else altogether 
as a stadium for AFL. AFL has actually gone down in popularity in southern Tasmania. No one actually wants to go and watch it. If they put it in northern Tasmania, it wouldn't be an issue. We'd be quite happy. Take it up there. We don't give a shit. But we don't actually have infrastructure to deal with the transport and all the other issues that it's going to cause here in Hobart. We don't have the room. We had one single accident on a bridge in Hobart a few months ago completely derailed the whole of our transport system. For about five or six hours it would have been, nobody could move because one truck had turned over on a bridge in Hobart. We don't have the capacity to deal with the traffic that an AFL stadium is going to generate. So let's play a ridiculous question here. What should be done for sports and recreational purposes in Hobart? We shouldn't have them. We should move them to Launceston. We should ignore them and completely in Hobart. Nobody wants them. They are irrelevant. We hate them. Okay, you well, hate them. Elsewhere. I understand you hate them. I think you're trying it's to generalise everybody. This is the thing. It's not just me. There's actually a massive movement in Hobart against the stadium. And this is even amongst people who support AFL. There's even people who are saying, we want an AFL team, we just don't want it here in Hobart at McMacquan. We don't want so it here's, at so here's, so here's the thing. Right, would, you, would you support AFL in Tasmania? No, I don't support AFL anywhere. But <laughs> if they had to have this stupid fucking game anywhere, put it up the north of the state where I don't have to put up with it. So it's I NIMBY, mean, is it? Not in your backyard. Well, I'm sorry, but I moved to Tasmania because we didn't have a lot of sport here. You know, you could always move to Canberra. There's not much sport in Canberra. Yeah, well, no, there's a lot of sport in Canberra, unfortunately. But Okay, politics is... may be a sport, but that's not really the same kind of sport. Okay. Oh, but, well, anyway. this, but this is part of the problem is that it's like it's one of those things where it's like, well, I moved to a state because I don't actually want to follow any of the sport and they put it there anyway. I Look, I actually don't care because I wouldn't go to see it anyway. But the problem is that it actually does interfere with how things work here and it's been That's bad enough having to put up with the stupid bloody basketball. Quite and now you get stupid bloody football in a few years' time. Now we get stupid bloody football as well. So, the point is, it, though, that, yes, there is a large proportion of Tasmanians who do enjoy their AFL for some reason. I don't understand why. But most of them live up north. Give it to the north. They would actually appreciate it. There's way more room and way better facilities up there than we have in Hobart. Hobart is the cultural centre of Tasmania. I'm quite happy for us to remain the cultural centre of Tasmania and give the sport to the north. 
Okay, well, there you go. On on those words, I think it's time to uh, wrap up this very uh, interesting episode of uh, Let's Save the Governor General. Clancy, thank you for your thoughts. Phoebe, thank you for your thoughts. And Penny I think... for your thoughts, Damien. Penny for your thoughts on this. No, um, be kind oh, to one another. Pennies. Look after this. We'll look after, be kind to one another, look after yourselves, stay warm as the winter months uh, encroach. And I think the, the phrase of this episode winter, has to be, Winter months encroach. Winter. Summer is on its way. Summer is coming to a city near me. The, the phrase for this episode is, I don't want anything to do with penises. And and on that note, we shall celebrate oh, the first thank episode. Thank you, bloody of... I love penises, quite frankly. Okay, you've heard it here. Clancy loves pe- Clancy loves penises. I like them just when they're mine. And until next time, let's celebrate KC three and his uh, coronation coleslaw from Audi. Until coronation coleslaw. <laughs> coronation coleslaw from Audi. A perfect Phoebe. compliment to your coronation quiche. And Coronation Curry sausages from last night. But until next time, see you, ladies. Yay! Let's save him from the general. Let's save him from the king. Save him from the king. And the coleslaw and the curry sausages. Indeed. See you, ladies. Love you guys. Love you both. In history's page, let every stage advance us to Let us sing, advance us to rare your